Welcome to episode 51 of Contested Catch. It's time for our week six buys and sells with your guy, Kyle Singer. Uh, we are back again. We've had, this is our third uh, installment of this segment, I believe, Kyle. And I think it's been going really well. Uh, I like the ones that you brought up today. I'm definitely excited to debate and discuss these guys. <laughs> so uh, how are you doing, my friend? How's everything going? Yeah, uh, well, I'm very excited as well. I definitely wanted to put some uh, controversial ones in there, get a little talking going. But yeah, it's been good. Uh, past two weeks have been pretty good. I'm pretty happy with where I've been. Honestly, uh, I can't really complain. Obviously, some un- unfortunate circumstances with the whole Dak Prescott issue. But honestly, that ended up helping myself. I feel bad for him. Uh, my prayers are for him, even though he's been obviously like my least favorite player because I hate the Cowboys. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to the injury, obviously, I wish him the best and uh, speedy recovery. I'm excited to see him come back win uh, comeback player of the year next year. Absolutely. And I hope he gets that big contract as well. Um, yeah, man. So why don't we just kick it off uh, this time with running backs? Um, we're switching up the order a little bit again. Um, let's start with running backs. And this first one, uh, I, I definitely agree with, but we've got some updates. So I'll, I won't steal the thunder. Who's your first running back by? Quick note here, the segment you're about to hear, we're going to talk about Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, this occurred, this was recorded before Le'Veon Bell signed with Kansas City. It was still speculation as of Wednesday night when we recorded. And so we are uh, editing and posting this on Thursday after the news of Le'Veon Bell. So you're going to hear our skepticism a little bit about uh, him actually joining the Chiefs and also what we think if he were to join uh, based on this situation. We're obviously going to talk about a lot of other buys, so stay tuned. Uh, This is still, I think, an interesting discussion, even though it is somewhat rendered a moot point because Le'Veon Bell did sign. Here we go. So CEH is uh, Clyde Edwards Elaire, Elaire, not Hilaire. Yep. And the Thunder, I feel like you were going to talk about, uh, I'll spoil it, it sounds like you're talking about the Le'Veon Bell rumors. And we know Le'Veon Bell cut by the Jets, Adam Gase, you know, making making his moves. And there he's rumored to go to the Chiefs. Uh, it makes sense for sure. But I don't think, I don't know, we'll see. I mean, it's all speculative. And although I, I do think Bell is still a solid player in this league, I'm not really worried. I think, I don't know, I'm not going to trade. I'm not going to not trade for him because potentially Le'Veon Bell might land there. I think CEH is still going to be the running back in that backfield, even if Le'Veon does go there. But I'm not thinking he's going to. But regardless of any of that, he's only got one touchdown in five games. That's due for some positive regression. Unfortunately for my Buffalo Bills, who just got absolutely stomped, or sorry, our Buffalo Bills got stomped last night, our defense looks terrible. Our run defense, I guess, I mean, it's hard to say it looked worse because our only game plan was stop Derrick Henry. Yet he still scored, what, twice on us? And I mean, there was a whole shit show. Our, our team looked terrible. But our defense is nowhere near impressive. In fact, I have one fantasy point in the past four weeks from them. So pathetic in terms of fantasy. But Clyde's got the Bills and a very favorable, favorable schedule the rest of the way, um, at least for the next four. But the cool thing about Clyde, aside from his touchdown regression, is that target share. He's getting a 16% target share. And to put that into perspective, Tyreek Hill, he's at an 18%, so just 2% less. So obviously love to see that. 
I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a buy. He's on one of the best teams in the league, coming off of a tough loss against the Raiders. I love Clyde. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, obviously, this Le'Veon Bell situation is quite the unknown. It, it's quite the variable that we can't necessarily predict. There's a lot of uh, social media type buzz. You know, I think Chris Jones posted something with Le'Veon Bell and Patrick Mahomes and Le'Veon Bell followed each other. And uh, to be honest, I don't necessarily see why the Chiefs would do this move. Um, I mean, it depends on the the economics of the trade. You know, if they get him for free, I guess, why wouldn't you add a player that at least used to be great? And if he's not great, you don't use him. But the other thing is you, you draft a running back in the first round. Obviously, they lost Damian Williams, but they didn't go and scramble for any of these other free agents. You know, maybe they think the situation's different at Le'Veon Bell really does have some juice or they just want some more um, some more depth at the position. But to be completely honest with you, that's not my expectation. I do not think he ends up in Kansas City. It could be proved wrong in the next couple of days. Spoiler alert, I was wrong. But at the same time, uh, this is, like you said, uh, a very good week to, I think, acquire Claude Edwards-Hilaire. Um they obviously play Monday afternoon against the Bills. You know, CH is, I think, playing pretty well. His rushing has been underwhelming, but at the same time, it's not like he's trying to bounce it out, not following his blocks. He's following the the play. People are criticizing him for not cutting back when maybe there's something there, but um, I think he's he's maybe a little too disciplined at the moment. And the the Chiefs' offensive line hasn't been phenomenal in the run game so far. So I just say, listen, the volume is there. I'm one of the best offenses, if not the best offense in the league. He's he's being used heavily in the pass game after not at all, you know, in week one. And there was all this, you know, oh, my God, is he not a pass back? Uh, you know, Daryl Williams is still getting some use on passing downs. But, yeah, I'm totally with you. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, is maybe, you know, a week or two away from really, really erupting. Uh, it's, it's only a matter of time. Honestly, if a guy like Damian Williams is able to have huge monster fantasy games you know, I'd be shocked if uh, first round running back who was one of, had the most prolific receiving uh, season in SEC history, I believe it was last year with LSU, doesn't make some noise. So uh, I'm with you on, on Clyde. Who is your other running back by this week? Also, before I go there, I wanted to clarify uh, the target share that I said. It was not including week one because gotcha. he gotcha. got no receiving work. So I do want to clarify that. But my second buy, I only went with two running back buys for this week, Raheem Mostert. Uh, before I go into the statistics of it, watching watching the Niners play, he looked like maybe outside of George Kittle, legitimately the only bright spot on that team, especially against the Dolphins. This kid is averaging nine, oh, just under, sorry, but basically nine yards per touch right now, which is just insane. He's, I mean, he basically has only played – Really, two games. He played two and a quarter games when he had that huge touchdown um, before going out in like early second quarter in week two. But he's getting 10% target share right now for running back, which last year he barely passed five ever in a game. Um, he, he looks like the bell cow back. I mean, although Jarek McKinnon was killing it and scoring a touchdown a game, especially in Mostert's absence, Moster comes back this week. He's got an iffy knee against Miami. They go down big, and it's Raheem Moster in the game. I think, at least in full PPR, I know uh, Jarek McKinnon had 2.5 points. I think, I don't know if the time I had for half, but probably two. Um, 
But something cool about Raheem Mostert, he's getting targeted downfield. He's got a 3.6 yards average depth of target, A dot, as you like to say. Um, but the big thing for me is the eye test and his efficiency over nine, basically nine yards per touch. And the fact that I think the Niners are realizing they they normally go with the hot hand, I'm sorry, the hot hand approach. And they're realizing, you know, Raheem Moster is that spark in the offense. I think he's going to get an increase in touches and therefore an increase in fantasy points. So he's a buy to me. Yeah, I got to say this. I've been uh, on the Raheem Mostert um, hate train, I guess you could say. Uh, I was fading him in the summer. I was not surprised by anything we saw at the start of the season in weeks one and two. He basically, I thought, was very uninspiring with the exception of a very long catch and run on an angle route where he uses 4-4 speed in week one and then um, essentially the same thing but a run in week two. And so this is not surprising to me because basically what I say is he is replaceable in that offense. Uh, and I think Kyle Shanahan would eventually recognize that because, and I think we just saw the, the sample size. It's kind of a very, it's a very similar argument that I make made about Damien Williams. And so, but I will say this, he was not just a one big play guy in week five when in his return against Miami, he actually was was ripping off chunk gains, uh, 11 rushes for 90 yards, three catches for 29 yards. So he looked good. Um, and I think what's more important is that he immediately went back to the type of workload that we came to expect with him in San Francisco. In week five, he had a 48% offensive snap share. Um, and that might not sound great because typically, you know, a bell cow type workhorse type guy, we're looking for 70, 80%, if not more. Well, unfortunately, uh, in San Francisco, the reality is, you know, Raheem Moser, I think he only eclipsed 60% snap share in his dominant second half run last year two times, um, maybe a third time in the playoffs. I can't remember exactly. But with that said, Mostert looks the part. Um, he went right back to being the RB1A in that offense. And like you said, Jarek McKinnon uh, was, was phased out despite playing really, really well. So I think that speaks really well to Mostert's continued involvement in the offense going forward. So I do not think you are wrong to have him as a buy. And I am uh, kind of starting to come off of my my fade of Raheem Mostert. Um, anything else to add to Yeah, I got to say something, obviously, because preseason, as you know, probably better than anyone will, my big buy was Tevin Coleman. Um, I mean, like, I'll take the L on that for sure. It's unfortunate injuries kind of screwed me there, but, and him, obviously him, (laughs) but my take on him and, uh, I don't know. I, I like, we'll see. I still think. I don't know what's good with Tevin Coleman injury, but one of the main reasons I had for Tevin Coleman and why I loved him so much, aside from the skill and the relationship, uh, just mainly like the fact that this is an ambiguous backfield. And as JJ Zacharyson points out and all of his, you know, running breakout running backs and all that, the study he does there, he does great work, but he shows basically you can buy these cheap running backs in these ambiguous backfields that are going to pop off. And so I thought, I thought it was going to be Tevin Coleman. Um, I was completely wrong. I, I mean, it looked like Moster, and then it was McKinnon. And now I'm thinking it's going to be Moster the rest of the way. He seems to be the best player outside of George Kittle on that offense. And I really do think, you know, if you can get him now, you should do it. And I mean, the last, the last funny thing, I've got a situation in my league now 
with these two buys right now. So one of the, I have Moster in my league and one of my league members has a CEH. He's two and three, I'm three and two. But we also, we do your, your same uh, league type. So we have keeper value. And I think CEH, he went, we got him before uh, the Damian Williams broke, like the, that, that news broke. So he went for like 27 in my league. Wow. But most, Mostert was a steal late in the draft for eight bucks. Mm. So I get to keep Moster for 13. He gets to keep CEH for 32. 32 thank you. Um, so we're in talks right now with kind of Raheem Moster and CEH as the main trade pieces because, you know, the keeper value is there. And honestly, to this point, Mostert, honestly, he looks better when he's playing as opposed to CEH. I, don't get me wrong. I told him to his face to, today. We were talking and I said, I think CEH is going to score more touchdowns. I still like CEH. There's a reason I'm trading for him, but Raheem Mostert is not a guy I want to be giving up. Um, I guess obviously it just depends on the trade, but both these guys I do love. Yeah. Uh, well, and on the Tevin Coleman thing, I, I think it's important to recognize why ambiguous backfields are worth targeting. Um, and and especially, you know, there are a couple other criteria like being a pass catcher and that sort of thing. And that's one of the reasons I was a little bit against Raheem Mostert because he was never a great pass catcher, never saw a ton of uh, target volume. But the reason you can you can target these ambiguous backfields and feel good about taking shots is that the ambiguous backfield that that nat- the nature of it being ambiguous depresses the value of the the individual pieces. So, for instance, Darrell Henderson, you could have gotten him in the double digit rounds, basically forever all summer in 2020 and look you know he's had a a ton of relevant weeks through five or you know probably three out of five relevant weeks so far so that's and that was a guy that actually when we had jj on we talked about Darrell henderson specifically because that was a guy i was like hey everyone forgot about the hype we had on him last year uh you know what about now kind of thing so uh i don't think you're wrong to have attributed you know or been interested in tevin coleman for this reason but it's also good to recognize that it's time to adapt once we have some some sample size to look at because we saw Tevin Coleman obviously is on IR. Uh, Raheem Mostert has looked good. He has not seeded the RB1A role when he has been healthy. So um, good on you to adapt. And, and you know, obviously, we'll continue to apply uh, that philosophy going forward. Um, let's move on over to the RB cells now. And who's the first one you've got for this week? You had a nice transition going when you were starting to talk about Daryl Henderson. I love to see it. <laughs> so let's continue on with that. Our, uh, coming in at my first RB cell, Daryl Henderson. First off, he's RB19 right now in fantasy, and he himself is in an ambiguous backfield. Uh, Malcolm Brown, and he's had, you know, he's had the hot hand occasionally, week one, definitely. And then we all expected Cam Akers to be the 1A in that backfield going in. He gets hurt with a rib and he comes back last week hearing talks of Cam Akers now getting more touches and Daryl Henderson blows up last week against Washington. I think he had two touchdowns. Um, yeah, he did one receiving, one rushing. But the week before against the Giants, after he plays Buffalo and has a 19-point performance, he's got the Giants and we're like, oh, this is a must start. Henderson's going to put up you know, at least 15 fantasy points and he puts up a dud 4.7 fantasy points. So then everyone benches him and he puts up two touchdowns, 21 fantasy points against Washington. I think he's now had three good games every other game in, in five weeks. Um, I don't think it's going to hold this backfield. It seems to be way more of a committee than anyone ever would have expected. And I think, you know, if you can trade him for a, 
basically running backs are to me are the most important pieces to acquire. So if you can get a solid running back for him that you actually know, like a Miles Gaskin, for example, who I think is in much less of an ambiguous backfield than Daryl is, I would go for that. I mean, I'd be open to wide receivers, but I just I, I think this is going to be the peak of Daryl Henderson's value. And if you can get something for him, go ahead and do that. Yeah, I think you said it well. Um, this is definitely a committee in L.A. I talked about it in the contested catch-up, our, our Thursday newsletter last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago. But regardless, um, you know, even in the midst of Darrell Henderson's solid performances for fantasy, he's still not getting, you know, this bell cow snap share, bell cow routes run out of the backfield. And that was with Cam Akers sidelined. If I remember correctly, Cam Akers had a nice long run in week five as well. So, um, at the end of the day, remember Daryl Henderson was the first, uh, first running or first pick that the, um, Rams made in the 2019 draft in the third round. And then they followed it up in 2020 by making Cam Akers, uh, their first pick as well. So this is, this is a committee. We shouldn't expect anything otherwise. And it, like Kyle said, if you can get something for him, I'd go after him. Um, Kyle, you know, the guy that vacated all these touches in LA, uh, is now in Atlanta. And he had a pretty good week five as well. I led you right into it, but who's your next? Uh, who's your next RB sell? Todd Gurley is tough, man. Uh, of course, I you know he was he was one of my sells I think two weeks ago, and I stick by it. But of course, I have to play him last week when he gets the easiest matchup versus Carolina, and he pops off for two touchdowns. Looks like old Todd Gurley, fourteen carries for one hundred twenty twenty yards and a touchdown. And easily his biggest receiving day, four catches for 29 yards. So, you know, of course he blows up against me. Luckily, I still pulled out a win, so I can't really be uh, complained too much. So I will say I can make a quick case for Todd Gurley before I go and shit on him for a second. But he does have a nice schedule. Uh, he did just play Carolina. He plays him again. He's got Minnesota, Detroit, and then Carolina again. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not an intimidating schedule, but... Todd Gurley, aside from last week, has not looked like himself. And what we saw last year was, you know, we saw the glimpse of old Todd Gurley. And I think that's what we saw last week against the worst rush defense was a glimpse of old Todd Gurley. But, you know, 2020 is, it's unfortunate. It's not how it's going to be. I think we saw a glimpse of old Todd Gurley and it's going to go away. I could be wrong. I kind of want to be wrong because I do love Todd Gurley, but I don't know. He's got five touchdowns through five weeks. That's not going to hold... I get that he's, you know, one of the most touchdown prominent running backs in the past like three years or whatever, but that's just, it's, it's not the old Todd Gurley. That's, that's basically where I'm at with it. This team is kind of in shambles right now, just fired their, their coach and they're, it's a shit show there over in Atlanta right now. So get rid of him while you can. He's, you know, he's RB 11. So if you can get, I, I would take RB 15 or even probably a little bit less value for him. So definitely do that if you can. Yeah, I uh, I was actually above consensus on Todd Gurley in the summer, even though I was like not that excited about him. I was just like, they don't really have, you know, I know you're a Brian Hill guy. I wasn't a, a, at all concerned about the depth that was behind Todd Gurley in terms of threatening his his volume there. So even if he's inefficient, even if he's not the same explosive player we, we were used to seeing a couple of years ago, uh, being the primary ball carrier in that offense with you know Matt Ryan and, and all these great pass catchers that were um, getting them in scoring position, I felt like was going to lead to a lot of volume and a lot of touchdowns. That's so far been the case. However, now with Dan Quinn being fired this week, 
there's some more uncertainty added. Will this team try to lean more on the run? I mean, I, I doubt it, but uh, are they going to start to to maybe try to sell the farm during the season before the trade deadline with Julio Jones or Matt Ryan? Who knows? I mean, seriously, because they fired their GM as well. So I'll say this. There is uncertainty afoot in Atlanta, and that involves, obviously, their RB1, Todd Gurley. So I'm with you. I think uh, this is probably a good time to sell him if you're going to because he's coming off a good week. Um, he has not been very efficient. He had like one or two explosive plays in week five, and I think uh, I think we've kind of seen in the last year or two that they've been more of an outlier. Um, but yeah, so I'm with you on that one. Um, let's transition now over to wide receivers, Kyle, and we'll keep it going here. Um, in terms of your first wide receiver by this week, I'm on board. Who is it? Marquise Hollywood Brown. He was a big buy for me early, uh, in the preseason. One of my loves, he's been somewhat of a disappointment so far. I'm not going to really give him too much of the blame. I think Lamar has been just underwhelming, especially in the passing department. Um, but Hollywood Brown, he, he's still doing well. He's 15th in rock right now. He's got a 26% target share and to kind of put some numbers to that 7.4 targets per game. But the cool thing to me, he's got a 43% air yard share. He's getting almost half the air yards on that team. Um, I know the Ravens aren't, you know, too prominent with the pass catchers, but they still got Mark Andrews. But when it comes to depth, they're not really they're not really spreading the ball around too much. Hollywood's definitely getting targeted downfield. He's that he's that boomer bus play, and we're we're not really seeing the bus, but we're gonna see that boom come soon. Sixteen point three average depth of target right now. So the yards are there. Like I said, they're gonna come. He's a beast. I love the bloodline. I said this before. Uh, I think in the first pod, but. He's a beast. You know, anyone related to Antonio Brown, my favorite receiver outside of his craziness right now, but he's he's been my favorite receiver to watch and grow up to. So love uh, love his cousin, Hollywood Brown. I think he's a buy right now. I think Lamar is going to start to step up. Oh, and, uh, you know, you can kind of use that week seven bye week as a, as a bargaining chip because some of these teams, if you have Hollywood Brown, maybe you're not in the best standing and you can go ahead and go after him. So see what you can get for him. This is a player that's pretty similar to Will Fuller in terms of a fantasy profile. Um, you're not playing him because of the perceived floor. You're playing him because he can have a weak winning upside if he connects on one or two of these deep balls. And yes, we have not seen the boom week quite yet, but 43% air yard share, and we know how good Lamar Jackson is. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about him a little bit later. But um, yeah, this is a player that is lying in wait. I think that you are 100% right that he should be considered a buy because the usage is there and it just hasn't quite connected for big-time fantasy production. And those are the types of players we're trying to target because maybe those fantasy managers that have them on, on their team are getting fed up or are not in a position to continue to wait. Whatever it is, that's when you can get value on the trade market. Um, all right, let's move on to the next one here. Who is your next wide receiver buy? Baby Tron, Kenny Galladay. Gotta love him. Uh, he's coming off of his bye week, which is, you know, already a buy for me. A, a buy as in go ahead and try to trade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> try to trade for him uh, after the bye week because, you know, it's nice to, to know he's probably, well, we'll see what's going on with COVID, but expecting him to hopefully play the rest of the games and you won't have 
to worry about not having him in a week. Uh, he didn't play his first two weeks, and then he he did very well. He had 57 in a touchdown, followed that up, and now he's got a crazy schedule, including the next two, which are at Jacksonville and at Atlanta. Um, you know, the opportunity is absolutely there for him. He got a 26% target share in the two games that he's played, including a 24% air yard share and also three red zone targets in two games. So favorable schedule, getting the targets. He's a beast. I love Stafford. Got to buy him. There you go. Uh, For whatever reason, Detroit, I was excited about them. I thought they were probably the most underrated fantasy offense this year, this year. Um, in terms of just everyone was sleeping on the shares in there. You know, we've been kind of wrong on DeAndre Swift so far. Um, Kenny Galladay hasn't necessarily blown the doors off for anyone. But again, usage is there. Um, we believe the quarterback is capable of allowing his skill positions to contribute and, and make big fantasy splashes. So I'm not going to dispute that one with you. This next one is interesting. And I think a lot of people are not expecting this name to come up, Kyle, uh, especially because... His quarterback was not available uh, last time we saw them play. Um, who's that? Nikhil Harry. Um, he's my last buy. I tried to go a little bit deeper, and I think people are going to like this one. So, well, first off, I wrote this, and then, of course, two minutes later, I get the update that Cam Newton is back, and he's fine, which is great. You know, I mean, well, I don't know. I'm a Bills fan, so, like, fuck the <laughs> Patriots. But, <laughs> like, aside from that, Nikhil Harry – uh, I do think he's a buy. He's 30th in rock right now, and he's well below what the average person would consider, like wide receiver 30. But his target share has been there, 22% target share, seven and almost seven and a half targets per game, 21% area, 21% area share. And this is, this is what really gets me is eight red zone targets. Uh, that's enticing. Cam Newton's not going to continue. I mean, he is going to continue to run it, but not only run it, he's, I think, his running, his rushing ability that Cam Newton brings actually helps Nikhil Harry. And we've seen that physicality that Nikhil brings to the game. Cam loves it. You can't, you know, you, you can't stop both. And I think the teams are more worried about Cam running it in and they'd rather see him kind of beat him with his arm than his legs. So that's going to mean Cam's going to be throwing it around the goal line. And who's, who's it going to? Nikhil Harry. Yeah, he's, uh, he's just above... Uh, his teammate Demir Bird, the former South Carolina uh, great receiver, um, in in terms of se- being second on his team in Rock weeks two through five, um, he is re- all all players are steadily behind Julian Edelman. So I think it's still pretty clear that Julian Edelman is the number one option there. However, Nikhil Harry has more than double Julian Edelman's red zone targets. Um, and he's, he's been much more of the, uh, amazingly, Julian Edelman has actually been uh, a, a pretty big down-the-field threat for Cam Newton. He's got 35% air yard share and uh, almost double Nikhil Harry's air yards. And, you know, Demir Bird is, is more of a downfield threat as well. So I think what they're what the Patriots are trying to do is get the ball in the hands of a guy that I called Nikhila um, because he was just a beast in college when he got the ball in his hands. He's like a running back and he's a big dude. And I also think what's encouraging about him, uh, is that Cam Newton seems to really want to get the most out of him. You know, he had a, Nikhil Harry had a bad play. I think it was in week three, maybe. And, um, Cam said, you know, that's my guy. Like, you know, we're going to continue to go back to him. It's important that he learns, but basically he had, he gave him the vote of confidence. And I think that's important when you see the quarterback, who's obviously the leader of this team 
and uh, you know, a young player that was had a really disappointing debut last year. Um, you know, I, I think there is there is cause for optimism, especially as this offense really starts to settle into what we think it's going to look like. Uh, Cam Newton's COVID uh, induced absence has caused, I think, some depression in all of these skill positions value. And I think guys like Damian Harris, uh, Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, and even Demir Bird are all interesting players rest of season. Um, let's transition now over to the wide receiver sells, Kyle. Uh, I think there's some some good names uh, to point out here. And so why don't you kick us off with your first one? When I sell people, uh, I'm looking obviously for value and you're, you're still trying to trade and, and get someone at the, the relative same value, uh, at least in terms of like name value for actual value. But I already put two of these guys on my list, I think two weeks ago, but I do want to emphasize, get rid of them. Honestly, they've, they've been fine. They've been serviceable. And let's start off with Mike Evans. Uh, we all saw Mike Evans. He's been killing it through five weeks. He's got six touchdowns. Um, he's got, the thing is like, he's overproducing. He's got, he's overproducing by 6.5 fantasy points a game right now, which is insane. According to, you know, the beautiful Jeff Gould analysis, which is foolproof, by the way, if you guys haven't used that DFS tool, I highly recommend it. I made some big, big bucks this weekend and like, it's free money. Definitely use it. Like, it <laughs> Build <laughs> really the brand, is. baby. <laughs> Build the brand. But anyway, Mike Evans, uh, I'm trying to get him off my team right now. He's 52 in rock with Chris Godwin in the lineup, which like 52nd of all players, including like tight ends and, and running backs. But like, that's trash. We're expecting this guy to be maybe a low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two. And he's like in the mid 50s. Uh, so you're trying to get rid of him. But with Godwin, he's got a 14% target share and 14% air yard share. Without Godwin, he's 20th in rock. So he gets a big boost. 22% target share and a 24% air yard share, as well as obviously the six touchdowns and the unbelievable efficiency that will not hold. So Chris Godwin likely to come back either this week, if not this week next. And I just, I mean, Tom Brady hasn't been anything special to me. I mean, I know he had that, that five touchdown performance, but other than that, it's not, it's not too enticing. I think People still like the name of Mike Evans. They're seeing the fantasy points, but those are mostly touchdowns. And if you can get someone that's underperforming, maybe like a Tyreek Hill, maybe throw in an extra guy, but someone actually who is also on my sell list, but <laughs> I still like him much more than Mike Evans. But even like Robbie Anderson, like I would take Robbie Anderson. I'm sure you can get more than just Robbie Anderson for Mike Evans because of that name value alone. But honestly, like I'd be willing to make uh, what the fantasy focus podcast calls a board bet i'd take robbie anderson rest of way over mike evans from here on out yeah i'm with you on this one as well um he's 29th in rock overall in the last four weeks that's obviously weeks two through five um he's got five touchdowns in four weeks that's great except for the fact that he's only got five red zone targets he i mean now there's something to be said for efficiency good players make good plays where you know that's that's a good thing but at the same time we also talk a lot about uh positive and negative touchdown regression. And I think that his efficiency is just frankly unsustainable, um, especially once uh, a big part of the offense, Chris Godwin, returns to the lineup. So I'm with you on this one. Definitely not going to dispute it. Um, 
So yeah, let's, uh, let's move on to the next cell that you've got. And uh, this is an interesting one as well. Amari Cooper, I think it's, I mean, I guess it's interesting just because of the timing. I think it's unfortunate. Um, this is, I said this a bunch last week and I'll continue to say it, see what you can get type thing with Amari Cooper. Um, I'm not going to say panic on him because, you know, he's still a very good player. And I do think Andy Dalton is a, he's, he's more than serviceable. He's, he's a solid quarterback. Um, but there's usually a Cowboys fan or two in, in every league. And without Dak, he kind of, you know, he kind of shit the bed last week, two for 23. I think this team is going to be a lot more run heavy. They're going to use Ezekiel Elliott just a lot more than they have. Even with Dak throwing for, you know, 500 yards, 400 plus yards a game. Amari Cooper was solid, but he wasn't like elite wide receiver one. He was like definitely very solid. Don't get me wrong. But even last week when Dak played a good amount of the game before he got hurt, he still, he only had two catches for 23 yards and hardly anything with, uh, I tried to find this. I don't even know off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure he had nothing with Andy Dalton and Andy Dalton was like what nine for 11 for like 180 yards or something. But, um, so I don't know exactly on that, but he's 17th in rock right now, which, you know, doesn't really help my argument, but I think just look out for him kind of see if people will give you around that value, that name value. And I don't know, I, I would definitely watch him over the next couple of weeks, but he kind of scares me. I don't, I don't like that team. A bunch of those Cowboys guys were on my cells last week. In fact, Dak was on my cell. Well, actually I don't think we went into the quarterbacks like mm. last week, but I'm not going to take credit for an injury. That was a, <laughs> <Yeah>. shit, <laughs> that was a shit show, but like, I know I had a couple of the you, pass You basically catchers. said that the, the pass volume was unsustainable and therefore these guys that were seeing a lot of it, uh, you know, like CD Lamb, I think was on your sales list last week. Uh, weren't going to continue. So, you you ba you basically said as much. Exactly. And Amari Cooper was seeing the most of it, and he was kind of the guy that I was like, all right, he's getting these targets. I think. I mean, it's not it's not as sustainable, but it's more sustainable than these other guys. And now I'm kind of like, all right, he was getting you know all the all this opportunity, and and that's that opportunity just won't be there. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, so I'm I'm um I don't think Amari Cooper is not a sell. Um, in fact, I actually expect I think based on what he's been able to produce so far with Dak, obviously you know everyone is understanding of the injury is likely to reduce their ceiling. What I actually think is going to happen with these pass catchers is I think Amari Cooper is going to start to be used closer to the line of scrimmage. I think he's probably going to continue to put up good numbers in PPR because I think, you know, maybe I think the the pass volume does go down, but, you know, maybe he's just catching a few more of those targets that were otherwise would be, uh, you know, harder to complete because they're closer to the line of scrimmage. So right now his 9.4 A dot, uh, I think is probably going to go down to closer to, you know, eight, seven, maybe. Um, and that's just an expectation of what I think this offense is going to try to do with Andy Dalton. And I think the real beneficiary, if there is one of this situation is CD lamb, because Mari Cooper is 17th in rock through the last four weeks. Um, CD lamb is 25th in rock and Michael Gallup is 40th in rock. Now, obviously we saw Michael Gallup have two enormous plays at the end of the game. Once Andy Dalton was in, but still, I think he is a volatile player in this offense as the third or fourth option, you know, obviously if we're factoring in Zeke, you know, we can't just say that, uh, you know, he, he's, he's probably the fourth option, including Zeke in that conversation. CD lamb, I think is, is 
potentially already the most talented uh, receiver on this team. And that's saying a lot because Mari Cooper is really good. But also, CeeDee Lamb is living over the middle of the field. I think he's going to continue to be a dominant force um, in the intermediate range. So uh, his 10.58 out is only a little bit more than Amari Cooper, but I just think the way these these players are going to uh, settle into their new roles is going to favor CeeDee Lamb to be a consistent fantasy producer going forward as well. So I will, for the most part, agree with you on Amari Cooper being a sell, and I will also caveat that by saying I also like CeeDee Lamb is a buy. Um, good stuff there. And who is your last wide receiver sell here? So, uh, I know after Amari Cooper, I was kind of, I was like, ah, I don't know. Like, none of these guys do I really want to sell. Um, and I was really looking at the rock score. And something that shocked me, I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to tell the people, was Robert Woods, 52nd in rock. He's played every game. And... I mean, he's like, he's still getting a 20% target share, 20% air yard share, but the rock does not like him. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I definitely like Cooper cup more. And I think most people disagree. In fact, I think a lot of people actually like Robert Woods more. I know like Matthew Barry and, and kind of the ESPN guys definitely do. So probably a lot of your league mates certainly do. This is a very specific case, but I would say if you have Robert Woods, See if you can get Cooper Cup for him and maybe even more. I think you there's a good chance you might be able to. And I do like Cooper Cup rest away compared to Robert Woods. Yeah, you know, both these players have been yak specialists, so to speak, through the course of their career. Um, the last four weeks, Cooper Cup has has dominated in rock relative to Robert Woods. Cup is uh, 26th in rock and Woods is 62nd. So it's really not even close. Uh, in the summer, I was definitely on the Woods side of things. I had them very close in my rankings, but I had Woods a tick uh, higher. But right now, it has not necessarily been close. And Cooper Cup has been very good after the catch throughout his career. And, you know, Robert Woods is, is no exception to that either. He's been the same. It just, for whatever reason, Cooper Cup has been the preferred red zone target for Jared Goff as well um, over the course of their career. And, you know, hasn't been too distant so far. Cooper Cup only has three red zone targets in the last four weeks, and Robert Woods only has one. But still, uh, it's, you know, Cooper Cup has 27% air yard share and 25% target share. He has a more healthy share of a very conservative offense right now. So I'm with you that Robert Woods' stock is definitely on the decline. Uh, you know, we'd like to see L.A. start to air it out some more. And so I think if we get uh, a sense that that is going to happen – Let's, you know, keep our eyes out for that because these would be good players to buy in that case. But for right now, it looks like Jared Goff is trying to, or uh, rather Sean McVay is trying to hide Jared Goff behind a very conservative run heavy offense. So uh, there's that in L.A. Kyle, let's shift over now to the tight end position. I've got one buy and one sell for the tight ends. Like I said, even with the sells are tough, but well, the buy, I think it's pretty. This one's a good one. I like Noah Fant. He's 10th in rock right now, coming off of like injuries. 10th in you know, uh, tight end rock, correct? Tight end rock. So I appreciate that. But the the big thing is the quarterback play has been iffy. The injury has been there, um, kind of all hurting his trade value. And this week he gets the Patriots. So I think people, obviously, you know, you don't want to play against the Patriots. So whether it's, you know, you get them this week and you're like, oh, they're playing the Patriots or you you let that game play out, I don't expect, you know, the Patriots are good against tight ends. So 
I don't expect him to pop off at least enough to make it unattainable to get him. So either see what you can get for him now, or I'm sorry, see what you have to give up to get him. If you're kind of like most of us and have not one of the top four tight ends that are killing it. And you have one of these other scrubs that are underperforming. So, but I do like Noah Fant rest of season. The quarterback play will be back. He's got 28 targets in the, in the first four games that he played. That's seven a game for a tight end. That's incredible. And, you know, I do like Drew Locke and I think he'll be solid. That connection that he had built with Noah Fant was very nice to see. Um, whether it's this week against the Patriots or not, definitely take a look and try to get him in your leagues. If you're not, if you're not sitting pretty with, you know, one of the top three, four tight ends. Yeah, I, I just love the talent with Noah Fant. Um, he's looked at the part, every bit of a of, an, of a future elite tight end in this league. And so getting his quarterback back is going to be a, a big boost to his stock. I definitely think uh, he's got a chance to continue to put up tight end one-ish numbers, if not more, uh, with once Drew Locke is officially back under center. So uh, good stuff there. I will not disagree with you. Uh, who is your tight end sell? Robert Tanyan. Uh, like I didn't have many. There's there's just no tight ends that are even really. You're not selling one of the top like four or five guys that are killing it. And like I don't know who's even going to trade for any of these like scrub tight ends. Um, but Robert Tanyan is you know aside from the bye week, he's coming off of a huge three touchdown performance in prime time. Like I'll literally take anything for Robert Tanyan. I'm pretty sure you were talking about him in last week's episode or maybe it was one with Jeff, but I know you're talking about him and it's like, I mean, yeah, I'll take like probably anything on anyone else's team for Robert Tanyan. I, I really have no faith in him. So if you can get something that's like somewhat usable, like go ahead and do that. Yeah. He's got five touchdowns the last four weeks on four red zone targets. So <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. I think he it's pretty safe to say that he has outproduced his opportunity and now it looks like Devontae Adams is going to be returning to the lineup so I think the Robert Tanyan era is was short and is probably over but you know at the same time there aren't a lot of other weapons outside of Devontae Adams and and um and Aaron Jones in this offense so uh I think that don't sleep on MVS no you're right no and, you know, <laughs> Alan Lazard is is on IR so MVS could definitely emerge as the second or third pass game option here it's just you know, I don't know that necessarily we should be too bullish on Robert Tanyan, and maybe it was just more of a blip. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, let's move over to the quarterback position now. And you've got a buy there. Yeah, so no sells. Uh, you know, it's been a shit show losing Dak and a bunch of bye weeks, Russell Wilson on bye, but I'll bet you a bunch of guys around different leagues uh invested heavily in Lamar Jackson and he has not paid off so it's very likely that the the uh, owner of the lamar jackson team is sitting probably below 500 right now maybe in potentially a must-win scenario i think lamar jackson has been just abysmal he's been garbage he hasn't been running he hasn't been throwing the way we were expecting we knew that touchdown rate was going to decrease but like this is bad I, I think we were not expecting him to be outside the top 10 most were expecting him to be like the clear one, if not top, definitely top three. And, you know, like Ryan Fitzpatrick is outplaying him. Like that, I don't think that'll hold. Um, last week, he only tried to run it two times against Cincinnati. Like that, that's just not him. That's not Lamar Jackson. He's going to run it. He's got 
he's got the Eagles this week who look absolutely pathetic. And like, I feel bad for my brother because, you know, diehard Eagles fan, but they look like garbage. And then they have the bye week. So, and then, I mean, they have tough games against Pittsburgh, but like, honestly, the, I don't think Lamar Jackson is hurt when he plays a tough matchup aside from that, that chiefs game, because a lot of these games he's kind of taken out because they're blowing them out. So I'd almost prefer a tight game. I definitely prefer a tight game with Lamar, but you know, many owners, they got a bye week coming up soon. See if you're not in, you know, if you don't have Ross or Josh Allen, or if you just lost Dak, I'm never really a, a guy that says like, go trade an elite player for Lamar, but I'll bet you, you can get him for relatively cheap. And do think he has the upside um, that makes it worth getting. So see what you, see what you uh, have to give up for Lamar in your leagues. I'm a little concerned about Lamar um, for the reason that you already kind of mentioned, which is the schedule. So he plays Philly this week, but then he's got to buy Pittsburgh at Indy at New England versus Tennessee at Pittsburgh. That's six really tough weeks. You know, and, and even Tennessee might be the weakest matchup or the best matchup that he might have there. And we just saw Josh Allen uh, have by far his worst game of the season. So that that's my main concern. And I, I just don't think that this is the level of play that we should expect out of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I think I think there's there's definitely some room for improvement there and, and it could be a, a value to acquire. I want to touch on one more thing with Lamar. Uh, I know like because you went with, you know, the schedule type thing with the next four, which I do agree it's tough, but Likely, if you're trading for Lamar, like if you're trading for a quarterback, you're probably in decent position. Um, I wouldn't trade for him if you have Josh or Russ. Outside of that, go ahead and see what, see what you have to give up because playoff time is really where he goes off. He's got Dallas, Cleveland, the Jags, and the Giants. And then, you know, he's week 17 at Cincy. Some leagues are there. His playoff schedule is way too easy. Um, Definitely worth looking at, especially if you're in the top third of your league in terms of record, because you know he can be a league winner. Honestly, he can be huge for you down the stretch. Yeah, you're 100% right that that is a good schedule uh, coming up. I just hope that we just see some changes in, in Baltimore with uh, maybe throwing it a little bit more and also, I don't know, maybe using their second round rookie running back J.K. Dobbins because he has been far and away the most talented and, and most elusive back um, in that backfield. And yet we're still seeing a heavy dose of Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram is still getting the lion's share of the work, if you can even call it that, because it's basically just a three-headed monster uh, and a monster in the sense of a bad thing for fantasy. Yeah. Um, I feel like Dobbins rips off like a huge run or a huge catch like once every game like 20 30 yards every game and then they're like oh like good good work all right you just watch now yeah like, i mean he, he, he has a 34 yard run and then you know for the second time in in the last three weeks he didn't get another carry <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's he, he's been getting sir. good he's been getting good receiving work at least like he's been kind of the preferred uh receiving back so that's good and I think that, that bodes well if he were to take over the lead rushing role that he would have a pretty game script independent role, kind of like Mark Ingram did last year. So we'll see. Um, Baltimore is an interesting situation to monitor. I, at the very least, I do like Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown, like we already talked about, uh, as guys that continue to produce uh, and if not even improve. So good stuff there, Kyle. Um, any final thoughts here as we wrap up our week six buys and sells? 
Yeah, last thing, just to kind of put this all, uh, wrap it up and, and put it into perspective, if I could pick one buy on this whole list that I said and one sell, I think Raheem Moster is the one buy that I love. It's unfortunate because like I'm trying to trade him for CEH right now, but like I love him and I think you can get him at a very reasonable price. And I do urge all Mike Evans owners definitely try to trade him. I I worry for him season long the rest of the way. There you go. You heard it here, guys. Uh, if you want to reach Kyle on Twitter, uh, which is the best way to do it, at CC underscore K-Sing. Um, obviously, the CC is for Contested Catch hashtag build the brand. We'd build love to it. see that. <laughs> I love it. Um, good stuff. Kyle, another great episode, man. Appreciate you, uh, you know, going over all these all these opportunity metrics uh, in order to deliver some really good buys and sells. Uh, we're looking forward to next week as well and seeing how we do uh, this weekend, man. Yeah, thanks, Will. A lot of fun. Um, all right, guys. So if you didn't catch episode 50, uh, check it out. That was our week five recap, waiver wire coverage, and fantasy football storylines. We recorded that one on Wednesday and posted that. So make sure to check that out. We'll also have, by the time you're hearing this, there's a good chance we've already sent out our contested catch-up weekly newsletter that goes out on Thursdays. Um, if you are not already signed up, go ahead and go over to contestedcatch.com forward slash catch dash up. Uh, that's where you can you can find out exactly what's in it um, as well as sign up there. Uh, we really think that's a good product and something that uh, a lot of our friends and followers are checking out every week. So make sure to check that out. Um, also, you know, if, as Kyle already mentioned, we've got the DFS optimizer tool that's contestedcatch.com forward slash DFS, as well as the rock score, which we referenced throughout this episode. And that is contestedcatch.com forward slash rock ROC. So if you have any questions, you know where to find me at contestedcatch on Twitter. We hope you guys enjoyed. We wish you the best of luck this weekend. Hope you can make some good buys and some good sells and continue to grind in this marathon of a 2020 season. With that said, Good luck, and we will catch you next time.